Thanks for tuning in to Shield Clocks Happens, where now you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Amazon. So tune in, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Shilcox Happens Podcast. My name is Dustin Shilcox, and with me always, Jameson Brown. How's it going, man? Hello, everybody. Hey, Dustin. Um, yeah, we're excited for another one of these. I mean, we always get geared up, and uh, let's be honest, I can't help but listen to myself all the time. Yeah. Oh, of course, because you have a... Just totally kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I got a terrible voice, but anyway. That's a great one, man. <laughs> so, um, today, I've got my cousin here, uh, Rusty Muir. He's coming in from uh, Vernal, Utah. And he's actually kind of got a similar story to yours, and that's what I was hearing. Yeah, and and I mean, Rusty, let's let's go into uh, Vernal. Okay, so what is life? I mean, I, I think the world probably wants to know the size of Vernal and the size of your upbringing, because I think you told us a little bit about this. But man, I mean, you, you like high fived your whole city in like one fell swoop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, thanks for you guys for having me. This is <clears throat> stoked to be on. Um, but yeah, right now I live in Vernal. Um, when it it's probably got, I would say, at its peak, thirty thousand people um, at peak, and that's 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 like uh, um, from probably from New Shane Roosevelt and Vernal. So that's probably the whole basin. But I would guess that's significantly dropped with this latest uh, you know crash in the oil field. So what's life like growing up in a small town, man? Well, Manila is where I actually originally grew up. Um, graduated high school there. I mean, it was literally, I think I had 22 kids in my uh, graduating class. It was tiny. Oh my God. It was tiny. And then you and, moved to the big city. And then and then I moved to the big city. I kind of got thrown into the world. Um, you know, in, in high school, um, I kind of was one of those kids that, you know, I thought I knew it all, you know. Maybe, I don't know if you guys were like that, but I thought I had it all figured out until. And I pretty much got, uh, you know, I was pretty much told before graduation but my dad, like, you're out of here. Graduation day, you're gone. Like, you know it all. You're going to go through. You're gone. And uh, pretty much I think I got a suitcase and a $100 bill for graduation. That's what I got. <laughs> and I was off. And I didn't really, didn't really know what I was going to do with myself. <clears throat> never had really any plans. I never really figured out what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, our Uncle Zeb. Yeah. Uh, he kind of, I got talking to him. He talked me into <clears throat> doing the, joining the Air Force. I joined the Air Force Reserves, and so at least I had some sort of plan. <laughs> I had some sort of plan to go off of, and so I graduated high school, um, came down here with some friends, stayed in a couple different apartments here, between here and Logan, and uh, kind of used that summer to, as my, my first time having my own freedom, you know, that those three months before, because I was set to ship off to basic training in September. So I kind of had that month or that summer after graduation to kind of go blow off some steam and be free for a while, and then uh, which was pretty good. You know, it was it was fun. But uh, then I got shipped off to uh, San Antonio for basic training, and that was just it. it uh, I think it was eighteen or nineteen, just turned nineteen, and did that, and that was uh, that hit me pretty hard. That was a a life changing thing there because I went from uh, you know pretty free to do whatever I want to, a pretty strict environment. <laughs> the, the basic training was tough. Then I uh, went to, right after that, went to um, Shepard Air Force Base, which was North Texas. Did six months of uh, tech school, which was it, was, it was, it was fun. It was a, you know, pretty disciplined 
school. It was kind of like college, but military college. I uh, learned so how. So instead of them like, okay, son, would you like to give us your answer? Like, dude, exactly. Like screaming at you like exactly. Just- yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how it was. And, you, and there was no, you couldn't be late. You couldn't do nothing like that. But uh, um, we, uh, I finished that. It was it was uh, to learn how to load weapons on F sixteen, which I love that aircraft. And then how old were you when you were doing that? Um, the school I was in that school at nineteen. And then loading uh, weapons on F sixteen on an airplane. Yeah. I mean, at nineteen. Yeah, that I'm playing Call of Duty at nineteen, not loading <laughs> the actual plane that's going yeah. to kill stuff at nineteen. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I can't even remember exactly how I picked that career field or how I got into that career field, but I loved it and loved the people. But uh, when I started, learn you know we we loaded, we learned how to load like you know they were inert bombs, they weren't real, but then then. Uh, I got the opportunity to get to, you know, and went on a deployment in 05, which was a real life scenario. And that was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, it, it, uh, we went overseas and it was real life stuff and it kind of, it hits you, um, pretty hard when you realize that, uh, you've been doing this training and all this, you know, it was real jets and all that, but when you actually do it and do it for, uh, real life and, and it's these, everything's live, it was a different, uh, feeling. You know, we were pretty safe though, and I, like I said, it was uh, my hat goes off to those ground guys because we were, we were, you know, we were safe, way safe compared to, you know, some of the other missions those other troops were doing. So I, it was, it was a good experience, though, and that was fun. And come back from that and got a place out in uh, in Layton and and uh, started like partying and, and all that kind of crazy stuff. And uh, finally, I decided to. I had a friend in Vernal. He said, "Man, you need to come out here. This is there's a lot of work going on out here, and this this is where you need to go." So I went. I moved out to Vernal, and it was 2004. And uh, that place was just it was just starting to ramp. And it was up. it was oil, right? Like mm-hmm. that's so it was Ma- all the oil maybe, boom uh, and all that. There's a lot of oil, but it's, it's a oil and natural gas. A lot of the a lot of the a lot of it was natural gas. Okay. And uh, that place just started just started picking like the boom hadn't quite hit real hard it was just ramping up and it takes several years for it to to really uh get going full steam and it it did it it 07 or 06 and 07 was just absolutely just crazy. crazy i mean we didn't have an, I mean, we had people loan out people from texas coming up um there wasn't a place for rent if there was it was ridiculous uh rent was high but uh it was just uh, a different time it was uh busy extremely busy everybody was just going hard and making good money and just partying hard working hard and playing hard and because uh, you're not thinking about anything I mean, that's like that's all you can do out there right like there's what what is out there in vernal to go do and just so people know vernal utah let's i mean this is like current wild wild west type mentality am i wrong it, no yet? it really is it's it definitely is a wild west and that and i kind of use that a lot it was and that, that's the best way to put it it was the wild west when that boom was going because, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that, that, that hear this that they don't know a place called Vernal. I mean, they're, they're probably trying to figure out right now how to spell Vernal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah, to, to, to paint the picture, I mean, you're talking about you go to work, and when you're done with work, that whistle blows, you're off to the bar, right? That, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So the horn goes off, you're at the bar, you're hanging out with your boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, there was there's people, those places were packed, and it was just... You know, a couple hundred dollars a night was no thing, you know, for people to spend at the bar per person. I mean, those places were just going crazy. Um, and it, uh, 
that happened, you know, that, that went on for, for quite a while. And uh, it seemed like about 2008, it was just starting to slow down a little bit. Recession. And how, re- yeah. How was your, how were you taking it at that time? Were you obviously working and you're partying the entire time as well? I was. Um, I was partying a lot and, uh, you know, it just seemed like uh, all my friends, that's what all my friends were doing. I mean, we were just, you know, everybody was just going hard and going fast. So no time to settle down. You didn't have a girlfriend this time. You're no. just kind of doing your own thing. Yeah. You're focus on your own deal. Yeah. And it was just, you know, off to work. Uh, I mean, we spent ridiculous hours out in the field too. And I, I couldn't do it now. I don't know how I had the energy to do it then, but I mean, we were working 80, 90 hours a week running off no sleep. And then we'd get that one, two days off. And it was just, then we just hammer down those two days and party and do this and that. And then it was uh, back to work. I mean, it was, uh, it was a wild time, but you know, I was fortunate enough that I, uh, you know, I'd worked hard and, and, that I took my work serious, I did, and I, I ended up getting a job where I was on a safer side of the, the of the the oil field, where it's you know it's production related, so it's not necessarily service companies, and and that, those seem like uh, when things crash, the, they have a hard time, and those are the ones that kind of tend to go. But you know, I think they run a story on it not very long ago, but that that town now is this such a different place, and it seems like everybody's weaknesses kind of came out when everything kind of went down. Like, well, you know what they say, man, the bad times bring out the worst of people. Yeah. yeah. It's never the good times, man. When it's good, you're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there was, you know, there's definitely, you know, there's a lot of, probably like anywhere else, there's a lot of addicts and this and that. But then when, when there's no money and people have no jobs and then there's still, you know, I see a lot of people that still have issues with addictions and stuff, but now they have no jobs and they have no money. And so, you know, there's been a lot of people that's done some desperate stuff. And uh, it's, it's tough to watch, man, because uh, I just see a lot of people that, you know, that, that, that boom bust really, really took a toll on a lot of people. And it's kind of sad to see. I've had a lot of close friends and family really, really hit the bottom with it. Um, so where did it go for, for you? Like when the boom said it was dying off in 2008, 2009, where, where were you at? And like, what was your status going you were still single just yeah I was still single and and um I had uh my son in uh let's see it was 2012 and uh it was kind of it was still it was weird the oil field kind of dived off hard and then it picked back up steadily and hung kind of steady for a little while and then just dropped again and I was lucky um at the time that I was able to you know I um, hang on to the work that I have still. And I love it. I'm very fortunate that way. But it was tough because I separated with uh, my son's mother, you know, uh, even it was before he was born. So when did you start dating her, though, I guess? It was in 2010. Okay. And uh, so, you know, in my family, they've been awesome and everything to, and support, but they don't live right there. So I had to do this. A lot of the stuff that, you know, uh, you know, like mothers do but with nobody there and I had to do things just by myself and going through that with nobody close you know no family close to you know get quick answers from so how's your head at this point oh man I mean it's got to be like playing Jenga with your brain it it was uh you know it took me a long time to uh 
It took me a while. I feel like, uh, you know, in 2016, I finally really started getting it. I really started getting it. And, and now I kind of want to go back and relate some of my stories to what you were saying. So some of my issues um, were, and I still struggle with today, but at least I recognize what, what those are. And, and some of the issues I have were, uh, you know, I think, I think in essentially people um, have a hard time swallowing their pride. You know, they want, everyone yeah. wants to be right, you know, yeah. and, and people have done us wrong and, and, and stuff like that. And it kind of tends to make our problems. We like want to use that to point at whoever done us wrong. It's deflection, yeah. We deflect, deflect a lot. Yeah, we deflect, deflect a lot of and, issue. And I did a lot of deflecting. So um, when did this all start? Let's. Let, I guess we could go back even farther and start at the root. So just in case everyone doesn't know, you know, we've all heard Dustin's side and what happened with Dustin, and and then in the first podcast we kind of heard my story, mm-hmm. and yours kind of relates a lot like that. So I want to know. Uh, in regards to your story, where did it start? Where where did you start? You know, so we call for what is pick up the bottle, and then what you happened? Know, after I think that? that that kind of started um, through my yeah, when I first my younger ages when I was kind of wanting to party and that right. and binge drinking, just just to throw down and have a party and, and binge drink, and that you know when you do it, I think when you do enough binge drinking, then it turns into you know, it turns in, it gets a little deeper and then you have issues in your life and then it turns into a, you try to make that a, a solution, you know? And I think what it is, is uh, and av- trying to avoid, you know, avoid a situation, a temporary fix to try to, you know, and, and that's, it seems like, well, I'll just go home and knock a 12 pack down because, and just forget about this. And now I have this problem and now it's turning into this problem. And now I've got, you know, and so I definitely, it was a hard thing for me to swallow to admit that I was part of some of this problem as well. And that this, uh, you know, this kind of drinking wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't uh, the answer. And uh, and so I'm not totally, you know, I'm not opposed to any of that, but I kind of, like I was talking to Dustin about it, you know, I kind of, I've listened to a lot of, a lot of different people's stories and talking and, and, uh, I kind of fall back and think that I, this is kind of the stance I, I take now when it comes to substances of any kind, is once it becomes a, something that, that does have control of you, that's when it's the problem. You know, if people can go out and enjoy themselves and have a good time, but it's not, take, it's not controlling them and they're in full control, then I, then I don't believe it's a problem at that point. But it's when it becomes that thing that, that controls you. You know, I like to be in control. Of myself, and it took me a while, and uh, and you know, I I I've, I thought for a long time, maybe if I find this right girl, that's going to be the fix, and this and that. But I kind of find out that once I got myself right, and things started coming together, and so I think I was trying to find things to fix it instead of fixing myself first. And uh, I, I noticed that, and I still struggle with a lot of these issues. You know, I uh, another one is. You know, there were some people that I felt done me wrong, but I held these grudges and, and all this, and that ate me alive inside. Once I learned to let go of those things, and 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 sometimes they try to come back, and I, but once I learned to like, uh, you know, just let go of what other people, done, you know, let go of that and focus on me, it feels like it's like almost like a karma thing when you have this grudge and you 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 want you know you want the, something to 
square up with them or something like that. I think when you wish that, then you tends to come back on right. you. Yeah, you know? if you wish hurt or harm on someone yeah. else, it tends to yeah. get you harder. Absolutely, absolutely. So here's where my question, I was thinking, I obviously know you're going through the drinking problems, but you said, so you got married when? Uh, got married, it was, uh, it was in 11, 2011. 2011, and then you had your son. Mm-hmm. In 12. In 2012. And during this time, is that when the drinking started heavily, or you know, actually, um, I, I I thought that uh, I kind of actually slowed down during that time. But when we split, I was I kind of had I was pretty upset because of the way that you know there's this state guideline that happens you know every other weekend for the, for the dads for visitation, and I kind of felt like I was renting my son, and I, I felt like I was I was mad at the system because it wasn't. They weren't looking at it circumstantially. That's just the way the laws are real. And so I kind of had a lot of time. I was getting him every other weekend. So I thought, well, if I'm just sitting home, I don't have my kid and bored, might as well get a 12-pack and knock it down. And then I'd start thinking about other things and thinking about other things. And and uh, it just became a habit, you know, a habit that, that got got further and further in for a long time. And eventually, you know, um, um, I got to the point where, you know, now I have, I work seven on and seven off. I work a week on, a week off, and uh, I have my son those whole time. So now I have, I have motivation. And, you know, I thought it would be hard for me to uh, cut that out completely because, I you know, I've drank a lot in the past. And I thought, man, I'm going to be, you know, I don't know how this is going to go down. But it actually um, was easier than I thought. You know, I had uh, I had a motivation right in front of me. That was that little, that little boy. And, and that, uh, it's been a lifesaver for me. Uh, but it definitely, you know, it took some some things to change, and uh, it took me realizing, I think, that yeah, people done you wrong, but I also was adding to the problem. You're a part of the problem. Yep. Yeah. 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 At what point did you hit a bottom? You know, I know that everyone talks about the the proverbial rock bottom or hitting the yeah. wall. Or I hit or, the bottom. I feel like I hit the bottom a couple different times. If that. Like you just hit like two floors. Yeah. I thought you hit like the basement, hit but no, no, no. no. I yeah. was just first floor. You, you went another level. <laughs> I hit it. I was like, oh, this is the bottom. And then I did another flip and hit the bottom again. But, uh, you know, it felt like I hit the rock bottom and that kind of come out. And then I felt like I hit it again a couple of times. I felt like I hit the rock bottom twice. Super depressed. Um, um, depression and anxiety. You know, I was I struggled with it. I've struggled with it my whole life. And uh, Voices in the head. Yeah. It was just, it was terrible. And, uh. I started being really down on myself. I was really hard on myself, harder than anybody else could be on me. I was harder on myself, I think. But um, I realized, I think, for me, is when you, I notice when people, you know, drink a lot, the hangover. If your body don't feel good the next day, you mentally can't be feeling good, you know. Like, if you're not feeling good, your body is not, then you really can't mentally be focused and feeling good. Right. And uh, that's one thing that once you stop, you know, it's nice to wake up feeling fresh, not hungover. You start having more positive things start happening, I feel like. I feel like you start, you know, sharpening your focus up a little bit. And little by little, you're like, man, you know, this is nice not feeling like crap all the time. And, right. And and things start making more sense. And you're like, man, because I remember going, why do I keep doing this? I'm sure you got you did this too. Why do I do this? I'm never going to do this again. Next week. Next, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like it's like you you know the 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 woman that is pregnant. I hate it. I'm never having another kid. And it's like 
nine months later, ready for another one? You're like, wait, hold up. Yeah. Wait, well, let's, let's get you. I got you on camera the last birth screaming, this is never happening again. Like, right, exactly. And that's how it is. And I remember, I, I don't know how many times I've done that to myself where I really was actually like, okay, I really ain't going to do this again, you know. Um, and because uh, I just don't, I like feeling good. I don't like feeling like crap. What about your surrounding people? Because, like, so obviously you said you hung out with your friends. I mean, yeah. Did you have to separate yourself Absolutely. from your, your friends? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm glad you asked that because, you know, I, they're still my dear friends. I love them. And I, um, but, you know, the, some, there's some people that just ain't good. To, you know, they're just not good for you. Yep. Um, you still love them. You still like to be around. You know, you still want to see them and talk to them. But absolutely, I had to change my environment. No doubt. No doubt. I had to do, um, change my, you know, once I started my, started, my vision started, my focus started clearing up a little bit. I realized that, you know, um, I got to create a different environment and I, I love it. You know, I love uh, waking up feeling good and I still talk to some of those friends and, and stuff, but. Uh, Do they try and lure you back into? Um, yeah, sometimes, but not, not, not like you'd think though. I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I can stand my ground pretty good. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to, to uh, say, no, nah, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm doing tonight. I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not, a, I'm. I'm perfectly fine doing that. I know some people struggle with that, with, uh, you know, turning down stuff or like turning down and going to a party or turning down and going to the bar or something. But I never actually, uh, as of late, that's not been a struggle for me. I can, uh, Yeah, because the, 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 it's, you know, the, going the aspect where you're talking about changing your environment, changing your surrounding, that's one of the things that people find and, we, and, and for, for those of us who aren't afraid to talk about it and afraid to acknowledge that we were the root cause of the problem, that's where the addiction fueled the whole yards. The reason why it will oftentimes seem so simple when we talk to other people about it is because of the fact that life changed. You know, we changed our Absolutely. life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, for an addict that is constantly in and out of 12 step programs, it's not as, and you hit it right in the head. I had to change what was going on around me. I had to change my perspective. I had to change my focus. And that's why it's easy for you to turn it down. People who go back through that 12 step, they, they haven't changed their outlook on life. They haven't changed the surroundings. They haven't adapted. We talk about adapting all the time. We talk Absolutely. about paving yeah. roads and, I think you hit it on the head. You had to change the environment. You had to have that focus seven days off, seven days on. And my seven mm -hmm. days off, I've got a son that looks up to me. Right. You know, and I've got a kid that is that is worried about my well being and at the same time I'm worried about his. And so yeah, your your focus changed. And that I think for people who are gonna listen to this wondering why is it so simple for two people who've just been on this podcast to talk about their addiction well it's because we changed our lives that's exactly it you know i was thinking about that uh after i heard yours i thought you know uh a lot of people have a hard time talking about it and i think when people are in like uh in their lows and their low points in their life with with addiction and stuff um they have a hard time and they feel they feel alone and what for me, I started listening to other podcasts and hearing other people's stories. And to me, that's what helped. I'm like, you're not. There is people all over with this. You know, I heard your, when I heard yours, I thought, man, you know. But it's it's such a um, it's a relief to hear. It's a breath of fresh air to hear people own their stuff and acknowledge it and uh, and and talk about it. Because then you're like, you know, that's when I feel like you've really made progress. And even though some people still struggle with, it, I feel. 
you know, and you know, which I think we'll all still struggle with certain things, no matter what. Our lives are not, you know, perfect, but uh, I think the most important thing is when we recognize and acknowledge what that is. You know, acknowledge it. Now, before where before we might not have been able to acknowledge it and take ownership of it, but now I think once you look at it, it's almost like you're looking at it through a different set of eyes now. You know, well, it's like you look at Dustin. I mean, for instance, and feel free to chime in when you want, but. Um, you know, you look at what his eyes opened up to. I mean, this is just from, from, from my perspective being around him, but he could have been like everybody else, just like you and I could have been like everybody else, which is you wake up and it's the woe is me. You know, I, it's not my fault. And in his scenario, it really wasn't. He didn't deserve to have what happened, and we probably did. Um, but it didn't change the fact that what am I going to do now? Yeah, you know, like I still got to live life. Like I still got to do stuff. And, and what he has done is given people the ability to voice an opportunity ahead of them, you know, to change lives, to help them, to help others. And and here's the question, like after hearing both of your stories, actually, I think about it and myself, I, you know, you're saying as you've gone through the struggle with uh, alcohol addiction and you, but you said you had that motivation, your son. Mm-hmm. So of course you want to, you've had that choice to, you know, what, how, how do you want to appear in front of your son, the father that you need to be? Absolutely. So you have this drive, but I also, I, I know people who have an alcohol problem and they have kids and still they, it's almost the saddest thing that I've seen. It's like, the best. so where on my question is, and maybe for listeners like that are, have the same problem, like where do you get your motivation for me? Like I stopped feeling sorry for myself because I was on, I had an opportunity to be someone, you know, in the research, like I had a, the opportunity to lead spinal cord injury. So I'm, my motivation was to, to be the best for everyone else because it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. You have a son you're trying to be the best father for. What about people that have these opportunities and don't take them? So like where, what would you say to that? I mean, well, and, and you, you know, too. Like, I think a lot of it for me is, uh, I grew up around alcohol my whole, you know, my dad, he, he, he's, a, he's a severe alcoholic. I grew up around it my whole life. And I seen what it did that I didn't like growing up. And when I have, you know, when I had my boy, I, you know, that was, I, I, I decided right there and there, I don't want him to feel like those times that I did. And so I used it as kind of a motivation to, for him, you know, I'm like, I don't want him to feel the way I felt when I was when this way. And he'll never will. And he'll never know that. And then and, and so, yeah, it was hard for me, but if I can take that and turn it around and he'll never know what that felt like, then I feel like it was a success all around. And so a lot of times I look at like some of my failures in life is is valuable life lessons, you know, and what not to do and, and what doesn't work. And so I think that's kind of my motivation right now is definitely my son. Um, I want him to have a very stable father in a stable environment and uh, and, and uh, not feel the way that, that when I grow up, the things that just that I just couldn't stand, that I hated so much. And uh, being able to turn that around where he'll never get to see that is kind of my motivation, you know. And like me and you were talking, you know, the other night or last night, you know, a lot of people can... Uh, it seems like we live in a very kind of like victimized society. I agree. And, you know, 
instead of instead of just saying hey and owning it and figuring out we kind of tend to find all these excuses and where you know my father was an alcoholic so that's why i am or you know but it's five o'clock so it's okay well, and it, that's, not, yeah. that's the hardest thing to break i mean you could sit there i i don't care what situation you're going through i think everybody has the poor me they all blame other people they point fingers but that's the easiest way to do it. And like you said, when you actually get to sit there and say, I own this moment, I get to decide if I want to be an alcoholic, if I want to take the same road that my father took, if I want to be, you know, if I want to get out of this wheelchair or if I want to live the same life that I had. I mean, it's like all these scenarios, but it is so easy to blame other people. It, absolutely. So much- and like you just said, you just nailed it. It's the easy way out. Um, owning stuff and swallowing pride is not easy and no one wants to do it. And, and like you said, uh, that's the path of least resistance, man, is, uh, is taking that easy way out. I think, that's, I think as, a, as an example to, to your boy, it may not, and this is the part that I always found was really funny. Everyone talks about how I want to do this for other people and I want to be able to tell my story. Necessarily, it's not the substance and overcoming the substance and walking hand in hand with the substance. It's the example that you portray about owning up to it, owning up to what led you to that road. And you're a point to that. You're looking at going, look, I took my problems and I know what I did wrong. And that's the whole reason why I want to be an example is to let my son know, look, shit's going to happen. It's going to hit the fan. Absolutely. And and it's not going to be roses. It's not going to be cute and fun. No. And you're going to have those days where you're going to sit there. Now, son, you have two options. Either A, you can be like every other person that you're associated with and go out and party hard and forget about the problems. Or B, you can own up to them and you can become a better man and a better example. And that's exactly what you're portraying to your boy right now. Absolutely. And, and another thing, too, is, uh, you know, another thing that used to bother me is, uh, and I don't know if you experienced this, but uh, your friends and stuff, they're like, man, he... He used to be, you know, you, you're worried about what everybody else is going to You used think. to be the fun guy. You used, you to, be used to be the fun guy. You used to be the loud center of attention. Yeah. Yep. And, now, and now, you know, what are my friends going to think when I'm just, uh, when you know, or what are other people going to think about me? And then, then I had to ask myself, what do I think of other people that do that? I look up. I think it's awesome, you know. And so I don't think anybody's going to, you know, <laughs> if anybody's out there going to um, get down on you for, uh wanting to better your stuff, then something's wrong with them, you know? And that's they, the way you got Well, it's, it's, a, it's a deflection. Yeah. It's, they, they, they want the old you back because when the old you's there, it takes all the limelight off of them. Say, because people, that's, that's a right. great way to look at it. That's, people that's right. will point fingers at you or make you want to be well, hey, at Russie, the same level. Yeah, Russie was throwing up the other night. I wasn't that bad. You yeah. should right. see. And if you're, yeah, not that, exactly. you're not that You're out of the equation. The or maybe the fear of success. I mean, like, I honestly, myself, when I see someone in a wheelchair and they're actually up and walking, it's like, that's like, you know, damn, like, why not me? Like, how come I can't, I've tried so hard. Maybe these people, you don't realize your friends that are out partying, maybe they want that family life. Maybe they want to be a stable father, but just like everyone else, they're stuck down in that rut. And it's easier to bring people to your level because when people see you being a great father, raising a family and no longer, you know, drinking all the time, not going to the bars, you're not partying. To them, that's because you said the same thing. I've said it. That's, of course, you want to be there, but of course, you, there's all those obstacles. You need to find that right girl to be in your life. You want to have a, a stable job. You want to have the right home. But 
it's easier to go out with all your friends and party. Yeah, absolutely. That's the easier route. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I just think, and like I said, I, I don't want to say like I've got it all figured out, but my number one thing I, I think that I've accomplished is I'm acknowledging where the problem is. But um, you're, you're exactly right. And I, and I kind of tend to think that I used to always look, I always wanted to get things better. Like, you know, I always wanted to, to better everything. But I always was I was looking for something to come to me and instead of me fixing what's right here. And then and, and I, I, I think that when people do that, things just naturally start attracting to you. I think you just start pulling those things in, like and you don't even realize it. Well, hey Rusty, we appreciate you coming in, sharing your story oh. and talking to us a bit, man. Like we'd love to have you come back down again and my pleasure, man. Thank you guys. This has been awesome. So uh no, thank you guys. Well and uh everyone, thanks again for tuning in. You know, this show doesn't happen without you guys. And, and uh, if you have a story or um, or you have something you want to get off your chest, you want to talk about, message us, private message us on Facebook uh, or, or even uh, private messages on our podcast station uh, that you'd like to be a part of the show. And we'd love to have you on, love to hear your story. Um, again, this is about overcoming life paralysis, whether it's physical, mental, um, spiritual, whatever it may be, and just showing you guys that there's hope out there and, and what will you do next? You know, you can't just lay in bed. It's time to get up and go to work. So thanks again for tuning in and uh, tune in for our next one. You have just tuned into another episode of Shield Clocks Happens. Find previous episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Amazon today. If you would like to be on our podcast and have a story that you want to get out there, visit us at www.dustinshieldcox.com or private message us on Facebook, and we'd love to have you on the show.